0: This week, the latest on health insurance rates in Minnesota. The more popular than ever Mystery Science Theater has a homecoming with two live shows in Minneapolis and a preview of the upcoming Viking season with radio voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen. But first, tragedy in South Minneapolis.
1: I heard a very loud noise, and then ceiling tiles and windows came down, imploded, things dropped, Uh, the lights went out. As soon as I knew that the people in front of me were okay, we linked shirt tails and got out of the building. It was dark, so we had to feel our way out until we could see the light from the outside.
2: So I was in a meeting um, when it happened, and it was, I mean, it was large. Originally, I thought maybe a a transformer blew my, my colleague had commented how our phone system went down, so I thought maybe it's a transformer, or something like that, I mean, that was how large it felt at first. My ears popped, Um, we all walked out into the main kind of office area and looked at each other, and I noticed there was debris ceiling tiles on the ground and thought, this was not a transformer.
1: This is a day of extraordinary heartbreak in Minneapolis. Uh, The school is at the heart of a neighborhood and the heart of a community. Um, There are people who are wondering where their loved ones are and we grieve with them and and extend our our love and our prayers and our thoughts and our hopes. The whole city is with the families who still await word of their loved ones.
3: Devastation in kind of in a, a cloud and uh, it, 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 it's such a tragic event, It just it's surreal.
1: I'm kind of in shock. I've been going here since I was in preschool so I've like grown up with this building and it's just kind of hard for me to see like this place that I spent so much of my time at just gone.
0: On Wednesday morning, first responders were called to Minnehaha Academy on a report of an explosion. Crews arrived to find part of the school on fire, destroyed, and staff and workers rushing to get out. Officials say construction work and a gas leak likely caused the explosion. Fire Chief John Fritel briefed the press.
4: It looks to me like the, the chimney of the structure. That was sort of the center of the area and it looks like a lot of it just blew out to the west. There was a utility area, I believe there were some staff offices in there, some, some, some bathroom areas, some, I think, some janitorial closets and those types of things in that area of the structure. Um, and all of that has just basically uh, pancake collapsed right on top of each other. And um, there's actually two floors that have collapsed and then there was a basement level that I said earlier was uh, when we tried to get down to search it, that, that was uh, uh, already full of water.
0: Daytee sullivan Fonts graduated from Minnehaha Academy this past spring and was in the neighborhood when she heard the explosion. She rushed to the school to find out what had happened.
1: I'm just concerned because it's so real because like the people that are in there are people that I know. Like usually it's just something you see on the news, but now it's something that like relates to me like I know those people who they can't find and I know those people that were in the building and like imagining what they're going through and like the thought of like a loved one like not being able to be found is what really shakes me.
0: Two people were unaccounted for and nine others had to be rushed to the hospital. And then, hours later, the first confirmed fatality, 47-year-old Ruth Berg. She'd worked as a receptionist at the school for 17 years, former school employee Bruce Peterson knew Berg.
3: I'd worked with her in certain areas for three, four years at a time, but was a smiling face and uh, calm and friendly and... A, just a tragic tragic loss
0: 82 year old john carlson also perished in the blast he was a custodian at the school and former student sarah magley was concerned when carlson was among the unaccounted for
1: i know one of somebody they said was the janitor who's like like the sweetest guy in the world like i've known him since i was in like preschool he like gives out dilly bars and stuff. He's great. A
0: vigil Wednesday night at the school's lower campus drew hundreds. Minnehaha Academy president Dr. Donna Harris, who was hurt in the explosion, said she was grieving along with the community.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing. This is a warm, caring, loving community, and um, it's, it's like none other, and I'm grateful for the this community and how we will continue to support each other going forward.
0: With classes set to begin in just a couple weeks, it remains to be seen how the school and the community will come back from the tragedy. Minnehaha Academy spokesperson Sarah Jacobson says,
1: I think because of our faith in God we can move forward pretty easily, supporting one another. Um, of course, it was a tragic event and our hearts are broken, but we will work together. To, um, this school has a 105-year-old legacy and we're going to work hard to keep it going.
0: Questions about the exact cause of the explosion remain, but in the meantime, the community of South Minneapolis is bonded by grief and by the determination to move ahead together. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Preliminary numbers released by the State Commerce Department this week indicate health insurance rates in the private market for 2018 should be about the same as this year and lower in some cases. But politicians on both sides of the aisle caution the good times likely won't last for long unless more is done to control the cost of health care. Bill Werner is here to explain. Bill, what caused the drop after last year's dramatic increases?
5: Two things, Scott. First, fairly early on in the 2017 legislative session, lawmakers approved state funding to reduce premiums 25% in the current year for those who bought insurance on the individual health insurance market but were not eligible for federal credits. That had an effect in 2017, but it does not carry over into next year. What is helping estimated premiums for 2018... It's what's called a reinsurance measure that the Republican-controlled legislature passed and Governor Mark Dayton allowed to become law without his signature because he was concerned about the $500-plus 1000000 cost. Reinsurance basically means the state picks up the cost of coverage for the most seriously ill Minnesotans in an attempt to hold down premium increases for everyone else. Governor Mark Dayton said about this week's announcement,
4: Tremendous news for Minnesotans who buy their health insurance uh, on the individual market. The, the rates are essentially the same as they were last year. In a couple uh, instances, they've even been reduced. That assumes uh, that the reinsurance uh, that the legislature passed last session is approved by the federal government, which we have every reason to believe it will be. So it's a fantastic that Minnesota step forward uh, as a state to provide this uh, support for Minnesotans who who certainly need it and deserve it for buying their uh, insurance on the individual market. And we'll stabilize those rates and, and we'll see what Congress does, but hopefully they won't do anything to make the situation worse. House
5: Speaker
2: Republican Kurt Dowd
5: acknowledges that reinsurance is only a temporary fix.
2: Not only is Minsure and Obamacare not sustainable for Minnesotans, Uh, But this isn't sustainable much longer in the future. Uh, This is something we had to do, we were forced to do. Uh, Minnesotans needed help, they were hurting. Uh, so we stepped up and, and provided some relief. Um, this isn't a permanent solution. It's it's going to need uh, some real reforms to turn the marketplace back around to where we see real rate reductions that Minnesotans uh, can afford. And that's what we'll keep working on.
5: Governor Dayton warns that temporary
4: fix the legislature put in place will not work for very long. The legislature certainly deserves credit for passing these reinsurance, which if you look at the proposed rates with and without reinsurance for next year, about 18 to 23 percent higher without the reinsurance than than with it so that's a very very important difference that uh, the legislature made and we passed the premium relief last uh, early last year for this year 25% reduction in premiums for people again buying on the individual market so we're taking some very sizable steps they're very expensive steps the the reinsurance is going to cost over half a billion dollars over the next two years and the ability of the state to continue to provide that uh, subsidy for insurance companies, without any federal relief, is really going to be—they're uh, going to be hard-pressed. House Speaker Doubt
2: responds: He wishes Democrats would have been concerned about the cost in prior years. Prior to reinsurance being in place, that impact was absorbed by Minnesota family budgets. I mean, think about that. I mean, Democrats took year after year $500 million out of Minnesota family pockets out of their budgets. We put a freeze in place here that that this really is gonna help Minnesota families at least have some stability and some breathing room for a little while. The products are still probably two or three times more expensive than they were prior to Obamacare. We need to get back to a place where Minnesotans can afford health insurance in Minnesota and where health insurance actually covers healthcare, where they actually have real coverage where they don't have to pay $50,000 out of pocket before they get one penny of benefit. To me, that's not health insurance.
5: Ham Lake Senator Michelle Benson, who is Senate Republicans' point person on health care, gives the Dayton administration more credit than her Republican colleagues in the House do.
1: The Commerce Department was instrumental in structuring this reinsurance bill and moving forward the waiver. So saying the governor opposed this, he didn't agree with it. It wasn't his path. But certainly there were bipartisan votes in both bodies because this is common sense stabilization. Those of you who've been around for a while remember MSHA, which was dissolved under the Dayton administration. It was over $200 million a year in market stabilization. We're simply using the same tools that were in place prior to the ACA to put our market back in a position where our insurance providers can get their legs under them and Minnesotans can get some relief. We're not gonna wait for Washington. We hope they sign our waiver That is the plan. Secretary Price has indicated support. But this bickering back and forth is not getting us anywhere. We came in. We did the work we were going to do. We didn't take an adversarial role on this with Governor Dayton. We worked with his Commerce Department. Now we're going to work with Washington on the waiver. And that's the way we're going to approach health reform going forward.
5: We asked Benson what needs to be done to fully address the health care problem in Minnesota.
1: The Senate has a select committee committee. On healthcare cost, because one of the things we need to get to is the underlying cost of care. Our public programs, the governor's proposal, all depend on reimbursing healthcare professionals below market rates. And so instead of just forcing our hospitals to take less money, which is the governor's solution, we want to figure out how Minnesotans can be more in control of the cost of their care. And so Senator Jensen is leading that effort in the Senate. We'll work with our House colleagues. We're going to bring forward some ideas for Minnesotans to have more control, not just of their insurance, but of their care.
5: That's Senator Michelle Benson. Well, needless to say, Scott, with Republicans' repeatedly unsuccessful attempts in Congress to undo Obamacare, Washington, D.C.'s role in this is extremely uncertain. Republican state lawmakers are
0: well aware of that, but they pledged to move forward anyway. Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Joel Hodgson created Mystery Science Theater 3000, or MST3K as it's known to fans, in Minnesota in 1988. The show takes place in the not-too-distant future and features a human host and robot sidekicks, Cambot, Tom Servo, Crow, and Gypsy, who are shot into space and forced to watch bad movies as part of a human torture experiment. The crew makes things bearable by making fun of the films. The show, which gained a cult following, went off the air in 1999, but made a remarkable comeback earlier this year after a very successful Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign. The show can now be seen on Netflix and in person as part of a countrywide live show. I recently spoke with Hodgson about the show's humble beginnings in Minnesota, the live tour, and much more. Congratulations on the success of the rebooted MST3K. I'm wondering, when and why did you decide to revive the show?
6: Oh my goodness, well, I think I've been thinking about it ever since the show went off, since it stopped. 17 years ago, I guess I always felt like, why did it have to end? Because it's a show that's relatively inexpensive and it's fueled with bad movies, and they always make new bad movies. So I think uh, I thought about it. And then maybe 10 years ago, I started to really seriously think about it. And that had a lot to do with Shout Factory, uh, who are my partners in MST. And um, they started to notice that. It wasn't going away. They were still selling a lot of DVDs and it seemed like it was, it was this ongoing thing. The fans were still liking it and still searching for it.
0: So Joel, making fun of movies has been happening probably since movies came into existence. Tell me a little bit about how you took such a universal, I think, relatable idea and turned it into something so successful.
6: It's true. Um, they used to do it at at silent movies you know people would yell out stuff and observations and stuff and for me it started with the picture the picture was the silhouettes and the characters in silhouette and the idea that oh we'd run a movie and there'd be these characters that talk and would say stuff during the movie and so based on that i kind of backwards engineered mystery science theater so it would kind of function you know, with these adorable bad movies, and so I don't know. It was just kind of like um, you know, I knew I had to kind of create a, a story that that it wouldn't make sense if these people were sitting and watching a movie and complaining about the movie. Like, why don't if they don't like it, why don't they go? You know, why don't they leave if they're just three guys in the theater? Um, So that's why I created the backstory of a guy against his will, you know, having to watch these films and having robot companions to help him get through it.
0: The show kind of began here in Minnesota back in 1988, and I have lived in Minnesota my whole life. When I watch it, I feel like there's a, a tone or a sensibility that somehow ties the show to Minnesota. Is that just my imagination, or is there really something to that theory?
6: Well, I think that's really true, because as a comic, I really grew up in Minneapolis. I did my stand-up in Minneapolis and developed Mystery Science Theater, and we made the show in Minneapolis, and I just think a lot of it has to do with the audience there. They're really unique. They love uh, going out. They love comedy, and they're not cynical people. They're, they are they're really encouraging, so... My whole career, I'm just so grateful. I didn't get, I didn't encounter a lot of people that, like, hated what I did. They were, they were really um, responsive and encouraging. And I think that's kind of the secret ingredient. That's kind of how you can grow a show like Mystery Science Theater. A really weird, unusual show is you got to have people around that are open, you know.
0: Are there any rules in the writer's room about what kind of humor can be used on the show? Because it seems as though it's pretty family-friendly. Are there places you, you can't go in the finished film version that the, the writers can get out of their systems in the writing room?
6: Well, I guess the big thing in our writing room that is, is really different than any other writing room is we don't evaluate the writer's work in front of them our job when we're writing is to just generate a lot of ideas. So we generate a lot of ideas and then later kind of evaluate and, and kind of edit the material. So that's the biggest thing. And um, also, um, you know, obviously you can't do very many jokes about the quality of the film because that's just like one joke, you know, Oh, this movie's not that great. Aha. (laughs) Right. You know, and so you can't do a lot of those. And then just being too cynical, I mean, we tend to do the more cynical, uh, what we call the cynical jab kind of happens in the third act. So we kind of encourage the writers to just go, that's kind of where you put your frustration is the, in the third act after you've kind of demonstrated that you can hang with the movie. So we don't, you know, I just kind of say if you do too many cynical uh jokes, they're just not going to get in. So I think I try to just, those are the really the the only rules we have is don't evaluate each other, just create, and jokes about quality and and just being cynical about it being a bad movie.
0: Joel, you mentioned watching bad movies with friends, and that's kind of what you're doing because you've taken the show on the road with a live tour. I'm curious, how are things going? What kind of response are you getting from the audiences?
6: It's been amazing, you know We got this new cast And they're real pros, you know They all have at least 10 years of experience, you know Each one of them in different ways, whether it's Improv or stand-up Or production And they're really good and they don't really They're good and they just keep Improving, you know they're a lot of experience up there Even though they're in their 30s And each show they improve So I'm just really fun now because we kind of understand the composition of the show and you know what's going to happen and we know what's going to happen in a lot of cases and so it's really fun to get to spring that on an audience that doesn't know what's going to happen
0: well much continued success to you we look forward to having you bring the live show here to minneapolis in august and uh, you've been generous with your time joel thank you so much
6: yeah of course thank you
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Vikings open the preseason slate with a game this coming Thursday at Buffalo. MN Sports Director Mike Grimm sat down with the radio voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, for a preview of the 2017 season.
3: Well, PA, is it 16 years now, voice of the Minnesota Vikings? 16th year, yeah. 16 years. And for the first time in, well, a decade anyway, you will not have Adrian Peterson and he's loose. How's that? Uh, how's that going to be? No AP now.
7: Yeah, we'll have he's loose. I mean, um, Dalvin Cook's going to get loose. Uh, somebody's going to get loose on kick returns. Eric Kendricks got loose last year in Nashville on a, on a pick six. But uh, not having Adrian around, it's not as strange during training camp as I thought it would be. However. I am thinking a lot about the season opener, Monday Night Football, at home against the New Orleans Saints and how that's going to work out. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird seeing Adrian in a New Orleans Saints uh, uniform. But um, with training camp and a preseason game coming up in a week and change against Buffalo, that's kind of what everybody's thinking about now.
3: Right. And you mentioned the running back situation. Dalvin Cook, by all accounts, you've been at training camp each day, um, is having a pretty putting on a pretty good show, it sounds like.
7: Oh, Mike, he's really good and and outside of listening to you on the uh, Gophers radio network and or watching Gophers games honestly I don't um, I don't watch a lot of college football so I had heard of Dalvin Cook and kind of seen his highlights and everything but now starting at rookie camp through organized team activities and mini camp you know, I was kind of like, okay, I can see that speed when he turns the corner, but, you know, we don't we don't have pads on and there's no hitting and, and no contact between the offensive and defensive lines. Now, through three days of padded practice, um, I think he's going to be really, really special. And he's going to be special in a different way than Adrian Peterson was. He's not as violent. I think he's almost as fast. Catches it ten times better, and I can guarantee that right now. And his blitz pickup has been fantastic. He's a scholar of the game. Fans are going to like him.
3: And there is some depth. I know Murray Latavius Murray's still out with the ankle, but it sounds like he thinks he'll be ready. And you've got Jarek McKinnon, who's who's showing flashes and can be a third down guy. Uh, there's pretty good depth behind the quarterback.
7: No doubt, Michael. But for me, it's all Cook's money. I mm-hmm. mean, Latavius Murray was a free agent acquisition, had an opportunity uh, after a surgery to compete in training camp, and and that's what the original plan was, and it's not working. So Cook has run away from him. Uh, McKinnon's in a contract here and is a nice little shifty third down back. So actually the way I'd line it up now when they played New Orleans, I would go Cook 1, getting the lion's share. McKinnon 2 as the third down guy. Murray's got to work his way in. Yeah,
3: and, and make sure he's healthy. The quarterback situation, we know Teddy Bridgewater will start on the uh, physically un- unable to perform list. Bradford's job anyway, probably based on last year. What's your take on, on how this all might unfold at the signal caller spot?
7: Not to get too technical on the cont- contractual side of it, because it's I'm way out of my lane on it, but it's, it's, it's big where Teddy starts the season, whether it's on the PUP or whether it's on the active roster. I mean, there is an opportunity, even though Teddy's not going to do anything during training camp or preseason games, where they can make him a member of the active roster as their third quarterback, and contractually that really would help Bridgewater in 2018, or They can recognize the knee injury a year ago was incredibly devastating. He's not completely back from it, and we need to start him on the pop and then bring him off that midseason and maybe put him on the roster. So that's a little convoluted. Um, Bradford was was a lot better than people think last year because of the – anemic offensive line and the impotent running game. And from what I've seen from Sam so far, it looks really good.
3: He, last year, had a lot of short passes. His percentage was high. NFL, some da-
7: NFL record.
3: Yeah, and, and some, uh, he had some downfield hits, but not a lot. Do you foresee that field stretching more now with a full complement of receivers and another year under his belt in this system?
7: Great question because um, offensively, they only had eight plays of 40 yards or more, which was fourth worst in the NFL. And it's not like they have to strike Deep and be the greatest show on turf, but it, it has to be a little better. So you know, assuming the offensive line gets itself completely healthy, yeah, getting down the field uh needs to transpire, and th- and that's really from 15 to 25 yards. I mean, you know, people want the glitzy catch it at 40, make somebody miss, and then go 75. That'd be cool, but I want to see more stuff between 15, 25, and 30. Mm-hmm. You know, because the short game. Bradford set an NFL record last year for completion percentage because the short game was so good. Let's make the intermediate game unbelievably good. Have have some talented guys like Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Michael Floyd. Have those guys make people miss tackles and then set up the deep game. So I think fans are going to like it.
3: Preseason football, I don't have to deal with it. First game for the Gophers yeah. is a real game, and That's there's cool. 40 players I have to worry about. You have yeah. to worry about 115. How hard is it to get ready for uh, a an exhibition game?
7: Not really. Uh, we... we um, our games are simulcast, so uh, the the games are on Fox 9 and the Vikings radio network, including FM 100.3 The Fan. Uh, what I do is I don't put together a depth chart in the preseason. I really never have. It's impossible. Right. I mean, you, you can recognize that better than anybody. What I do is I make sure, when it comes to the adversary, I hone in on their best players, their five storylines, and their rookies. Uh, but like when we go to Buffalo, their defensive coordinator is Leslie Frazier. So that's going to be the sneaky push on talkback, get to the producer and say, let's get a camera shot of Leslie. Let's spend three minutes talking about him. So you do stuff like that. From a Viking standpoint, watching practice as much as I do, you know, it it a lot of it needs to become rote and just second nature, where I can write down a lot of things about Dalvin Cook and Bucky Hodges and Pat Alfline and all these rookies. You know, but what I see during practice or what I glean from talking to the players and coaches, that's what's gonna come out during the games. Yeah.
3: Enjoy
0: it. It's the rat race starts Can't now. Can't wait. Huh? Yeah, Love it. Thank, thank
7: you. You enjoy your season too.
0: All right, thank you. That's Paul Allen and Mike Grimm on Minnesota Matters. After four exhibition games, the regular season begins for the Purple with a Monday night game against New Orleans at U.S. Bank Stadium on September 11th. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.